Oh, for fuck's sake, let's get right into it. <laughs> the Golden Stallion here with you for a, a little quickie uh, that I want to want to get out there. I've got a lot of great content uh, lined up for you, as always, coming in the coming weeks. Uh, but this week, I've got something that that's really it's going to take a lot of time to cover. And so I just want to get started with it. It is something that is going to be uh, being explored uh, for the next few months. Uh, as I understand it. And, uh, you know, and really I have, a, I have a confession and an admission to make in this episode, in this quickie. And so I want to get to it, but actually the quickie starts off with a story. And the story was actually uh, sent to me on Twitter, uh, by Paige Peterson, the lovely Paige Peterson. And, uh, boy, someone that's really talk about an activist in the tech world. I mean, <laughs> she is right in the belly of the beast, just going after these people, uh, you know, or, uh, bringing things to their attention, you know, however that, that, that should get phrased. Uh, but it's great. So anyway, but, uh, she sent me the story on Twitter and it, uh, it, it rings true for a lot of what we're talking about on sovereign tech, particularly in the, the past while. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and start reading the story. And then I want to talk about, uh, some of these things a bit here. Uh, this is from RT. And uh, top Google executive predicts end of the Internet. Now, of course, that's that's quite a headline, uh, you know, and obviously that's not exactly what uh, what these this top Google executive meant. And, of course, they're referring to the man who always has a foot in his mouth, Mr. Eric Schmidt. Uh, <laughs> so at the end, and if you can't tell, I'm actually I'm on location. If you hear any kind of a reverberation, uh, that's, you know. That's why I'm on the Yeti microphone and not in the uh, the beautiful Stephanie Murphy studio. So anyway, uh, at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, uh, this is a thing that, that's held yearly, this World Economic Forum. It's been held uh, off, you know, for, for some time. And uh, it's really just a chance for really a, a bunch of shitheads to, to, to get together and, uh, you know, you know, polish each other's knobs and, uh, you know, whatever else they do. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Google guru at the World Economic Forum, Eric Schmidt, gave an answer regarding the evolution of the Web. Quote, I will answer very simply that the Internet will disappear. End quote. Schmidt said on Thursday, quoting again, there will be so many IP addresses, so many devices, sensors, things that you are wearing, things that you are interacting with that you won't even sense it. It will be part of your, your presence all the time. He explained, imagine you walk into a room and the room is dynamic. And with your permission and all of that, you are interacting with the things going on in the room, a highly personalized, highly interactive and very, very interesting world emerges. Schmidt concluded. And of course, that's the end of the quote. Uh, we can read on a bit here at the panel dubbed the future of the digital economy. He was speaking with Vodafone CEO Vittorio Colleo, Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg and Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella. Vodafone's chief executive officer Vittorio Colleo, I'll guess, agreed with Schmidt comparing the Internet with, quote, water, oxygen, end quote, in an, quote, ultra dense connectivity situation, end quote. So uh, Vittorio here is comparing the Internet to the very basic needs of life, that being water and oxygen. I'll read a little bit more. 
However, a group of Harvard professors depicted a much more grim Orwellian world, uh, AFP reported on Thursday. Quote, privacy as we know it in the past is no longer feasible. How we conventionally think of privacy is dead, end quote, said Margot Seltzer, a professor in computer science at Harvard University. Sophia Ruth, a Harvard genetics researcher, said, quote, it is not whether this is going to happen. It's already happening. We live in a surveillance state today, end quote. Depicting a terrifying world where mosquito-sized robots fly around stealing samples of people's DNA, uh, Sophia went on, she said, we, quote, we are at the dawn of the age of genetic McCarthyism, referring to, quote, uh, witch hunts, and, and that's an end quote, uh, during the second Red Scare in the 1950s in America. And that's actually the end of the article, and the article will, uh, will of course, be in the show notes uh, on SovereignTech.com. And also, uh, I just got a, uh, an interesting shared to me on Medium by uh, Nafiz Ahmed, uh, a story about how, and it's, it's a part one, and this is the thing that's going to be going on for a while, it's how the CIA made Google inside the secret network behind mass surveillance, endless war, and Skynet. So now that's something that's going to be unfolding over time, describing how much a part that uh, that people were, you know, or that that governments were involved in and alphabet soup organizations were involved in what, uh, you know, in, in Google being what it is. So which directly parlays into, of course, uh, you know, Eric Schmidt saying what the Internet's going to look like. And now let's keep in mind here that the way that the Internet is going to look is largely based upon uh, the choices that companies like Google make, how they want it to work. Uh, so it's not like it has to be that way, you know, and granted, you know, there's something to the point that there's a very old saying that, um, you know, once you, in fact, this is a saying in Silicon Valley, if I'm not mistaken, that, uh, once you build, uh, once you, once you make the building, the building will make you, uh, just like, you know, it's the, it's kind of the, uh, a play on the old warning of, you know, uh, make the tools, don't let the tools make you. And so certainly there's some truth that the way that a lot of the, the bigger boys, whoever that happens to be, the way they are setting up the infrastructure that is the World Wide Web or the Internet as we know it, uh, definitely has an effect on what any other company, you know, does with, uh, you know, with, with the Internet in general. And so, you know, to, to this stuff, to all of this, you know, whether it ends up being absolutely true, and I'll put a link in the show notes to where you can check out that, uh, that article on Medium, which will be unfolding over time, about how Google, um, who, you know, many would argue that is, if not the controlling party of the Internet, uh, they are certainly one of them, along with Amazon. And there's certainly plenty of stories that I could talk about with that, where, you know, I mean, like, I think almost a third, maybe it's a whole hell of a lot more now of the Internet is stored on Amazon servers. Uh, you know, so they have they have real control over all of this. But the point that I want to bring up to you is that and, and there's more to talk about, you know, the interactiveness of everything. And it's interesting the Satya was there. You know, Microsoft just had HoloLens come out, which is going to create this really dynamic room that, that Schmidt was talking about. And it actually looks like it's doing a better job, albeit with a clunky device. It's doing a much better job of integrating that and making it a reality uh, than Google Glass does or has. But the point I want to bring up to you is that 
on Free Talk Live and in other places, I've rather passionately defended the idea um, that, you know, I, I defended the Internet. You know, the World Wide Web, not so much the Internet, but the World Wide Web. I defended and, and they are two different things. Uh, the Internet, of course, is just the TCP IP. You know, it's just kind of like this. Uh, you know, the Internet is more the it's more the infrastructure. You know, it's the lines that run from server to server, building to building. It's the servers as to where the World Wide Web is actually what you generally, you know, interact with. You know, that's where that's how the websites you go to and all those things that you do on there. That that's the World Wide Web. Uh, and that is in contrast to Usenet, uh, perhaps even to email, uh, you know, to to a whole slew of things. You know, uh, in fact, in reality, uh, torrents aren't even the World Wide Web. You know, a lot of pe- a lot of this peer to peer stuff is not the World Wide Web in and of itself uh, because it's not centrally stored on servers. Right. So I may talk about these stories more in depth in the future, but right now, what I want to do is apologize and say that I was wrong. I was very wrong. The internet, it would seem, and this isn't necessarily new, perhaps to sovereign tech listeners, but I wanted to make it very clear. It would seem that the internet was really made to spy, to control, to, uh, you know, not, not, not enlighten us, you know, not, not make humanity, you know, not help humanity, but to just tighten the grip, you know, of the iron fist of governments all around the world. And, and it's a tough thing to admit, you know, that, uh, that, that's something, I mean, and, and even, you know, I'm sure it happens every time I say this kind of shit, but someone will email me and will say, well, you wouldn't even be able to get this information out there if it wasn't for the fucking internet, you fucking Luddite, you know, and all this, you know, crap. And, and it's, that's ridiculous. I mean, pirate radio, which I have promoted since the beginning of sovereign tech, uh, you know, even data packet radio would allow for a lot of this stuff. Uh, I, at least I don't feel bad about that because I've been promoting alternatives and multiple internets for really, yes, real multiple internets. Okay. Multiple webs, you know, <laughs> for a very long time. And so, you know, I, I guess I can pat myself maybe a little bit on the back, uh, for that. Okay. But the World Wide web, the system that people use every day, you know, and, and that is interconnecting everything is not good. It had the chance to be, you know, and I, and I've even said, you know, I, I remember getting in, in, in an argument with a guy on free talk live saying to him, you know, he was making the claim to me that, you know, you don't think that all this was created by the government to keep an eye on people. And I responded with, I was like, well, yes, certainly they created ARPANET. They created all this, you know, the, you know, the infrastructure that we know of and all that. But it was really private industry that that kind of, you know, made it into the, the thing that is, you know, educated so many today. And while I still think that's partly true, uh, I think he was the more accurate of us in that the the Internet does seem to be and the evidence is starting to bear out very quickly uh, that, that it was, you know, really early on designed to 
you know, to spy on us. I mean, you know, and, and this isn't this isn't like a new thing either for governments to do. Obviously, uh, there's lots of people and there's a fair amount of evidence to say that even things like the Hubble Space Telescope had nothing to do with mapping the stars and taking pictures of the stars. It was about testing better technologies, not to look outward into space, but to look down at the Earth and keep an eye on all of the peons for the powers that be, for they, them, those. And it's, again, it's a tough pill to swallow, you know. In fact, honestly, you know, thinking about this a lot, um, in fact, I've mentioned the book, I think, in a previous episode. There's a great book by Andrew Keene, The Internet is Not the Answer. Now, the book, unfortunately, its solution is more government, which is just stupid, okay? (laughs) But, But Andrew Keene, you know, makes a lot of really great points in it about what the internet is actually, you know, uh, what it's, what it's actually doing. And, you know, I remember how I felt about this before I was an anarchist, uh, you know, NASA was really like, that was the last, it was really the, the, the last government, you know, trick that, that I, that I held on to, you know, that I was like, no, yeah, we need government. Cause you know, we gotta, we gotta get up to space. It's like, yeah, yeah. Private industry could do it better, but we got to support NASA, you know, <laughs> because, cause no one else is doing it. Uh, and you, you know, but at the end of it, even as much as I love the idea of space exploration and all of that, eventually I had to realize that, uh, you know, in fact, there was a great documentary uh, called The, the Secret History um, of the Space Program. And it, uh, it, it, you know, laid out that, yeah, NASA's actual mission, by and large, and in fact, they're really doing it right now, whether you realize it or not, their real mission was, was as a, you know, as a spy program. You know, to keep it to watch people, to to watch other nations and, and all of this. Uh, and also, uh, you know, I mean, and, and they're still doing it now, you know, like, I, you know, I've said it on Sovereign Tech in the past, you know, NASA's mission these days is really just to keep an eye on, quote unquote, climate change. Uh, and then that's where they get the bulk of their funding, you know, up until the past, you know, maybe few months where they restarted the Orion program. But of course, the, you know, the Constellation program, whatever, with the Orion capsule. And of course, that was canceled a few years ago. That was supposed to all be done and done, you know, a long, long time ago uh, before even the, the space shuttles were to be retired. Uh, so so I kind of feel like that. And, and I'll admit that that was a time where I, I wasn't feeling too good. You know, because, I mean, my whole life, obviously, uh, you know, space is very exciting, you know, getting, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, traveling to the stars is very exciting, you know, uh, for, for so many reasons. And to find out that the organization, you know, that you supported, not the government per se, but NASA, you know, really that wasn't what they were all about. That wasn't what they were getting so much funding for. And that the way they were even getting the funding was completely unethical. You know, taxation is theft, all of that. Uh, it really hits you hard. And so a lot of this is hitting me very hard. You know, and, and it, but it's important for me, I think, to say, to come out and say, the Internet is not the answer. The World Wide Web is not the answer. We are going in a direction that is antithetical to human freedom, that is antithetical to human progress, that is antithetical, you know, to human growth in general. And I think that there was, you know, and, and I'm sure like, you know, like me, you, the listeners, 
you know, were have have, uh, you know, really, you know, said, well, it's like, yeah, the Internet is getting out so much truth. We can get out so much information to people all the time. You know, nowhere else can this get hurt. This is really amazing. The Internet's so incredible. And, you know, th- th- there's so many good things happen with the Internet. And you're right. There are good things happening with the Internet. But now we're finding out. As I've said before, we're finding out that the negatives far outweigh the good things. And when that happens, you've got to do a cost-benefit analysis. The positives, they're there, but it's, it's not, it's, it, they don't justify the, over, the overreaching negatives anymore. You know, and, and, I, and I know you... <laughs> And, and two, even those few positives, they're going away. You know, I was going to say, you know, I know you listeners, you the listeners, you, you found out so much stuff through the Internet. I know you have. Uh, I've had people on my show, you know, who talk about how, you know, even at very young ages, even in the 90s, how the fact that there was atheist websites or how there is, you know, libertarian websites or whatever, that they were able to find out this information. But look, that Internet that freedom of information that the internet allows for that the world wide web allows for is going away. You know, Facebook, uh, just, just the past uh, week or so, they released one of their algorithms, their deep think, uh, you know, search algorithm and all that. They, they open sourced it for people to use. Now, why are they open sourcing things? Honestly, by and large, except for a few rare cases, Okay, when a company, especially a company like Facebook, that relies upon the lack of privacy or that, you know, or it it doesn't even just rely on the lack of privacy. When a company, generally when a company in this world, you know, open sources something, it's for two reasons. One is it gives them some kind of advantage that they need that they can't come up with on their own. Or two, it's because it's useless to them now and it makes them look good or it helps them on, you know, underwriting the books or whatever. Okay, uh, a very famous case is when Elon Musk uh, open sourced like the fuel stations and a whole lot of parts to to the to his Tesla, uh, you know, electronic cars. Now, why did he do that? Is he some kind of grand libertarian? No, the fuck. He's not a grand libertarian. He's a fucking asshole for one. OK, <laughs> but for two, uh, he you know, Elon's uh, push, you know, for that was because he couldn't. Elon Musk knows he can't afford to to, you know, uh, uh, set up an entire infrastructure of charging stations for his Tesla cars. So if he open sources it, that gives people the technology and the ability and the plans to do it themselves to reach out to their customers. Okay. It's not because he wanted people to know it's not out of the goodness of his heart. It's the only way his business is ever going to take off. He had to do it. It has nothing to do with him believing in, uh, you know, in, in plans being open sourced and, and in the open source ideology in general it has nothing to do with that. All right. And when Facebook is open sourcing, you know, some of their algor- some of their search algorithm algorithms, I don't think it has anything to do with them being, you know, with the kindness of their heart. It has to do with the fact that their algorithms, which they, you know, and, and just a week later after they open source that suddenly you see, it's like, okay, why did they do this? And I was thinking about it. Why are they doing this? And then suddenly it hit me. Oh, because now they're, they're testing out algorithms that will allow, which are part of deep think that will allow them to find trolling. 
uh, you know, like like troll like trolling stories or, you know, like fake news stories, kind of like the onion or whatever, or to make sure to keep the, you know, to keep the information because what ha- okay, so what happened was is about a month back, I think there was an announcement or there was like this this thread started that Hugh Hefner died. Okay, but it wasn't true. Hugh Hefner didn't die; he's still alive to this day. Okay, <laughs> and but the thing is, is a lot of people started believing that Hugh Hefner had died, and so Facebook's like, "Well, we'll make an algorithm that can keep that sort of thing from happening." But let's be clear on this: that's not what this is really about. Okay, and the open sourcing isn't what this is really about. This is about controlling the flow of knowledge once again. So the big push for the internet was that it opens up the halls of knowledge no longer, no longer. Google is going to make sure that doesn't happen. Facebook is making sure that doesn't happen. I'm sure all the other companies, Amazon, you take your pick, even Microsoft, I imagine, is making sure that that sort of thing doesn't happen. So the Internet, it's one positive, the fact that it democratized or, you know, uh, opened up uh, the knowledge of the world that internet no longer exists or if anything it's on its way out the door and maybe that was always the plan with a lot of these companies and with a lot of the, you know a lot of this infrastructure it was a brief golden age that the world wide web had to where you could find out the you know the, the most uh, amazing of uh, you know the most incredible information and do the most amazing things and meet like-minded people in all of this. But that time is gone. Now, are there alternatives? Yes, of course there's alternatives. You know, I mean, in fact, you know, think of, think of Usenet. That's, that's one of the more common alternatives that already exists. There's alternatives being developed too, certainly that are interesting, but think of Usenet you know, Usenet could do so much. And in fact, it still finds itself, it finds itself adapting to new abilities all the time. I mean, considering the fact that, you know, with Usenet, you could essentially do torrenting, you know, you can go on Usenet and you can download movies, books and all this stuff. I mean, who would have ever, nobody thought about that when Usenet was made in the eighties. Nobody had a fucking clue that anyone would, would be able to do that, but it was adaptable to that. So considering the fact that Usenet is so adaptable, why didn't it take off? Was it too complex? No, that's not true. You can go to, you know, you can use Usenet companies like uh, Giga News, and they have, they've made their own software, like the Mimo browser, I think it's called, that turns Usenet into the, you know, an incredibly simple, basic system uh, that I think just about anybody could understand. Granted, you pay a premium for it. But the point being is that it doesn't have to be complex. So why wasn't it used? Because its decentralized nature made it unattractive to they, them, those made it unattractive to corporations that required your information to make any money off of you, uh, you know, to take your pick. It was unattractive because it was antithetical to controlling you. So there are alternatives. This notion of an interconnected world is not in and of itself evil. However, the, the notion of a centralized world. I don't want to say the word evil, but it is definitely working against you and it is not redundant. It's not efficient. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not worth it. It's a bad idea. 
You know, it's amazing. Um, I've heard people say uh, something to the effect that, you know, 12 good shots and, and I mean, you know, bullets in the right places at the right power stations could cripple the entire power system of the U.S. This is coming from people that work in that system. And that's because the power grid on in the U.S. and in other areas is completely centralized. You don't you don't bet life. And we are betting life on it, you know, on, on, the, on the electrical system that we use, on the grid and all this. You know, you don't bet the things on that on systems that aren't redundant or efficient. And so I don't think that we should bet our freedom, bet our lives, bet our information, bet our privacy on systems that are not redundant, not uh, secure by design. They're not secure. Uh, and that are, you know, just frail, you know, as, as frail as a water aqueduct. So again, I want to say I was wrong. I was so wrong. And I wish, I, I really do wish that it didn't take the Snowden revelations and other things for me to really realize it. And I want to recognize that there were people that knew, that had the hint that, yes, this is all being developed you know, for nefarious purposes. They deserve credit for that. So what does this mean? Everybody get off the internet? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, but it means be aware. I'm a little worried, you know, because, uh, I'll admit I've heard, you know, speaking of Google, which is, you know, perhaps the most egregious of the bunch, uh, I, I've heard libertarian or liberty-oriented, liberty-minded defenses of Google's business model, and uh, you know, and the and people will admit, well, you know, it's only because there's government that Google's business model is a problem. No, Google's business model is a problem whether there's governments or not. It's a problem for, you know, efficiency reasons. It's a problem for privacy reasons. It's a problem for all kinds of reasons. There's plenty of reasons why it's a problem. And you say, well, as long as it's voluntary, look, that answer ain't good enough anymore. Can we get past that fucking answer? God damn it. I hate that. As long as it's voluntary, you let everything go. It's, uh, it's like, oh, hey, you know, she said she wanted this to happen or what? I mean, Stop. Do you realize what that answer says at the end of the day? As long as it's voluntary, that means you have no ethics. You have no morality whatsoever. Because as long as it's voluntary, anything, anything goes. Fuck that shit, man. This is about us being better, becoming better people, better human beings. And just coming up with an excuse and justifying every little goddamn thing, whether it's with government or without government, is insane. There's an objective reality, you know. I don't know if you realize that. A is A. It's true. Well, as long as it's voluntary, it's B. No, fuck A is A, man. Come on. Stop that. And some business models are harmful, are evil. 
are a bad idea. Okay. It's just like, well, you know, the, uh, what was that car? The, the Pontiac Fiero in the eighties. This is a really badass looking little car, a little two seater. Okay. It's engine consistently overheated because they put the engine in the back of the car. Not to say that this is something that other car companies don't do either, but they put the engine in the back of the car. And so it didn't have the natural cooling. Okay. Of the engine being in the hood, uh, you know, in the front of the car in the hood where the wind, you know, or just the air can just sweep through and do a bit of natural cooling as well as of course the radiator and all the other cooling systems. Okay. It was a bad idea and cars were blowing up. These Fieros were blowing up. Look, when something's a bad idea, it's a bad idea. I don't care. If I saw somebody getting into a Fiero, I'd say, hey, you sure you want to do that? Well, it's voluntary. Well, fuck. Okay, it's fine then. Brian, you just created a straw man. You just created an Aunt Sally. Whatever. Okay, I can't use analogies and everybody else can. Bad systems, bad ideas are bad ideas. Government or not, get that straight. So, uh, why don't we, why don't we talk a little bit about this whole, you know, what, what Eric Schmidt was talking about, where or and not just Eric Schmidt, but also the the CEO or CEO or whatever of, of Vodafone uh, was saying that look, you know, the internet is is like water. You know, it's like oxygen. Boy. Um, No. (laughs) Knowledge is like water and like oxygen. And whatever facilitates that best, be it books, be it made safe, be it radio, be it Usenet, be it the World Wide Web, whatever ends up doing the best job, then that helps you know, this, you know, move that along. I think that is such a talk about crazy analogies. That's a crazy analogy. In fact, it really brings to mind, you know, to me, uh, the whole net neutrality argument. First off, everybody gets a completely out of whack. They, they, you know, they don't get it um, at all. Uh, but the net neutrality argument, what, you know, I'm trying to figure out what exactly are people concerned that they're going to lose depending on how this legislation comes out. And I think by and large, a lot of people feel like, well, what's going to happen is, is that I won't be able to get access to Netflix. I think that's, that, that's, that's really it at the end of the day. And this is the problem. Guys like a Vodafone saying a lot of this stuff, you know, being a, you know, now, you know, it being a human, a basic human right. And so we want to put it under title two or, you know, all of this or the idea that, holy shit, I'm not going to have YouTube anymore and, and all this crap, uh, where are the priorities here? Where are the priorities in that? And that's what I'm worried about is what are the priorities of this heavily interconnected world? You know, and, and what Eric Schmidt said, you know, where, where it's just going to be in the background, you won't even know that he wasn't because, again, he wasn't saying that the Internet was going to go away. He was just saying it was going to disappear. You know, that you won't even notice that it's working, which is what a lot of people want Bitcoin to do. Eventually they want it so that, uh, you know, you know, you don't even notice that you're dealing with the blockchain. It all just kind of happens like uh, some degree of magic, like Apple would talk about or whatever. So that, that's what he was. That's what he was really saying by that. But what are the priorities? Why do they want this interconnectedness? What's the purpose? And ask them. 
what's the first things they're going to that that come out of their mouths? Oh, medicine, protect your children, all this stuff. They let's let's be real clear on this is that the reason that th- that these people talk about, you know, at when you first ask them about any of these technologies that they're developing, they are playing off of your fear. Fear of dying. Fear of disease. Fear for your children. And I'm not saying they're illegitimate fears. They're very real fears. Okay. But they are playing off of them to push shit on you. That probably has little to do with any of that. Including if you read in the article that we started off the show with from genetic researchers themselves are telling you this isn't about that. They're lying. Can we stop the forward march of technology? No, we can't stop the forward march of technology, but yes, we can steer the ship a different direction. We can change the direction of that march and we can, we can either have technology march towards human freedom and growth or march towards enslavement, not just for humans, but for anything else that gets devised. We can choose and it's time to choose. So, do we get off the internet? No. Don't have to do that. But it's time that people start supporting the technologies, whatever they may be, that will, that are steering the ship, the, t- the, you know, the tech ship in a different direction towards human growth, towards human freedom. We can do that. We can work on ourselves because I think where a lot of the confusion comes from, because these people aren't stupid. But they have a lot of compartmentalization, a lot of kludginess of their brains to where they are ignoring the gorillas in the room. They are ignoring government. They are ignoring the possibility of what their technology might do. They're not taking two seconds to say, okay, we'll solve this problem. But how many problems will we create in doing so? They won't ask themselves that. Or they just have this, you know, I don't know, just this this, this sick, you know, kind of desire for power. We can choose right now how we want the future to look. You know, there's a great quote from uh, the creator of Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, who was one of the few that had a very optimistic outlook of the future, albeit oftentimes very confused. And he said, it isn't all over. Everything has not been invented. The human adventure is just beginning. And that's important. Everything has not been invented. We accept so many things as being normal. They're not normal. Smartphones have only been a part of our life since like 2007 in reality, in the way that we use them now. That's not even a decade. And yet people rely on them like, uh, well, kind of like Vodafone, the Vodafone guy said, well, it's like, it's like water and oxygen. And I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that per se, but we, we so quickly just fall into these, uh, you know, routines. It's so quickly that we accept certain things as normal when they're not normal. You know, they're, I mean, it doesn't mean they're bad, but just that they're not the standard. They don't have to be. They've only been around for a little while. You know, even like cars, you know, <laughs> cars, granted, have been around for over 100 years. Okay. But in the grand scheme of, you know, the human adventure, 
That's a short period of fucking time. Maybe there's something better and we just haven't thought of it. There may, there are things better than the internet. We don't have to bet all our chips on this one thing. It's only been around, you know, in its modern incarnation, it's only been around with 30 years. Not even. That's a short period of time. The telephone, the, you know, the landline telephone's already dying. So many of these technologies already die. We need to keep looking at that further horizon. You don't have to rest on your laurels with technology or say, well, you know, we can't stop it. We might as well use it and all this, you know, I mean, just, just stop that. That's accepting the status quo when none of this stuff in and of itself is yet the status quo. It's our brain's kludginess that just that, that, that takes it as such when it's not. We can choose. And it's the age old choice. We can choose to continue to have choice, a.k.a. freedom. Or we can choose to relinquish our ability to choose. A.k.a. slavery. It's really what it's all about. Having that ability. I think that, you know, a lot of people would feel that a lot of these tech companies are all about giving you options, giving you abilities and all of this. When in a lot of ways, I think we're very clearly seeing with Google, Facebook and others that it's all about telling you what to choose. No, we'll tell you what to be interested in. We'll tell you what to wear. We'll tell you what to buy. We'll tell you what's good for you because we put you through our little algorithm and it says you like this and we'll put that on you very nature of control. And in fact, the most insidious of control is to make you think you have the option to make you think you have a choice when you don't have a choice. You're not choosing shit. You're choosing crap sandwich a and crap sandwich B. No, let's really open up the lines of communication. The World Wide web is not it. It may have been doing a a decent job or it may have been some kind of strange intermediary for a little while, but that time is gone. And another thing, you know, what Eric Schmidt had to say with Google, it felt very reminiscent of what Astro Teller, who's the head of Google X, uh, was saying where, you know, the interfaces, we got to get them out of the way. Keep that in mind, too, as far as control. Okay, this whole idea that there's just going to be a bunch of things and it all just works like magic. Do not let it work like magic. Know how this shit works. Keep control of it. You know, the world is dying from one loss of a hardware switch at a time. Don't fall for it. Yes, keep the interface because the interface is all about you having control of what you're doing. Don't let it go on autopilot. Don't let it. I mean, have control because control, you know, you having personal control is at the very heart of choice. Giving passing off that ability of control to somebody else is losing that choice. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's definitely in their mind. They want this stuff to just work and they don't want people to know how it works and they don't want people to worry about how it works. And that is a recipe for disaster. Know how this stuff works. Anyway, I think that's enough for a quickie, about 40 minutes here. (laughs) Oh, God. 
you read the shit and you just, you know, <laughs> you, you get so depressed and you just start saying, dear God, we're fucked. We're all fucked. You should see. I, <laughs> you know, S- Stephanie and I, we, we spend all day together. We're together all the time, which uh, which is funny because so many people we hear so many people say it's like, oh, I can't imagine being with my partner all the time. We can't imagine not. OK, <laughs> but, but we're just constantly, we're looking over at each other, you know, and one of us will read something on the Internet while we're doing our work and whatever, you know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, ad sales or I'm developing or I'm writing or whatever I happen to be doing at the time. You know, and Stephanie's doing her voice work and the other, you know, incredible myriad projects that, that she's going to have coming in in the near future, uh, whatever. And we'll just but, we, you know, we'll take a break. We'll read some. We'll just look at each other and we'll just be like, oh, f- we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it gets so it really can. But at the end, you know, we're we're really not because we can make it. We can see these things coming and we can do something about it. Can't stop it, but you can change the direction and you can change your own relationship with all of this, all of these technologies, with governments, with yourself, whatever you can change and you can control the relationship. Even when there's a gun in the room, it's amazing what you can do. So don't be hopeless. We're catch all this stuff is getting caught very early and there are plenty of people. We just, you got to speak up about it and you got to go to places and speak up about it. Don't, don't, don't do it on Facebook. That shit's going to get filtered. Don't do it on, don't even don't. I mean, on Twitter, if you can connect with somebody, fine. What, you know, I don't know, but, but all that stuff's going to get filtered, get out there and just tell people, Hey, you know, don't you think this is kind of weird? Don't you think this is kind of fucked up? That's what needs to happen. So anyway, uh, regular episode will also be out this week. Got a ton of specials, you know, lined up, ready to go. In fact, I uh, got a wrap up special that'll be coming out with the lovely and hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy and I uh, talking about a recent trip uh, that we made. And that'll be a good time. But anyway, uh, so keep a lookout. SovereignTech.com, of course, in the meantime. And uh, if you have any responses, anything you want to say to this uh, bit message, my bit message address is in the show notes, or you can email me at Brian at Zomia offline games.com. And all that can be found at sovereigntech.com. So carpe lucem, everybody. I'll see you on the other side. No, no, I really will. I, I'm sure. Just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.